0: Morning. If you would, open your Bibles to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 22, and we'll be looking at verses 41 through 44. Luke 22, 41 through 44. Have you ever drank a bitter cup? Now, what do I mean? Have you ever done anything that was necessary, but it didn't end well for you. Now that may be hard to answer because some of us have faced situations like that and some of us have not. Now, drinking a bitter cup or drinking from a bitter cup was something that Jesus faced. And when we look at the bitter cup, it was something that when it was placed before him, he did drink from it. Now, what was the bitter cup? If you think about it, It starts in the garden. When Jesus is in the garden of Gethsemane, we see the betrayal, his arrest, the show trial, being mocked, being beaten, the crucifixion, being made sin for us, facing death, facing the wrath of God. All of these things was that bitter cup. And this is what we are going to look at today, the bitter cup of Jesus Christ. Again, look at Luke 22, verses 41 through 44. It's written, And he was drawn aside from them about a stone's cast, and kneeled down and prayed, saying, Father, if thou wilt take away this cup from me, nevertheless not my will but thine be done. And there appealed an angel unto him from heaven, comforting him. But being in agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was like drops of blood trickling down to the ground. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our most gracious and loving Father, Lord, as we come before you, just ask your blessings upon the reading of your word. Lord, we just thank you for this day that you have given us, a beautiful day, Lord, of sunshine and Lord, we just pray that you would be with us today. We thank you for this day. We thank you, Lord, for all the many blessings that you have given us, chiefly that of your precious and holy Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And again, Lord, today as we come before you, we just lift up those that are sick, those that are shut in, those that have lost loved ones. Again, Lord, we just lift up Miss Bev to you, Lord, and just pray that you would be with her and be with the family during this time. And Lord, we just pray that you would just Continue just to uplift them and give them strength during this time that they face. And Lord, again, I just pray that you would again be with us. Lord, if there is anyone that needs to make any decision, I pray that you would speak to their hearts. I pray, Lord, that you would just speak through me. And just hide me behind the cross and let the words that are spoken be your words. And Lord, just bind down Satan and let him have no part of this service. We just ask this in your son's precious and holy name, Jesus Christ. Amen. Now what is happening in this passage of scripture. If you look back, you will see Jesus and the eleven, because Judas Iscariot has already left the group and has gone to the priests. But you see the eleven and Jesus, they, having left the upper room, they go to the Garden of Gethsemane. And when they get to the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus, Peter, James, and John, they separate from the other eight disciples, and they go off a little ways. And then Jesus, talking to Peter, James, and John, telling them to to stay where they are and to pray lest they fall into temptation, Jesus walks a little further away from them about a stone's cast, as the scripture says. And Jesus prayed. He kneels down and he starts to pray. And just as an aside, we read about the prayer life of Jesus throughout the scripture. Jesus had an active prayer life. And here, he prays, he's spending time talking to his father. Pray. And as we see, it was an agonizing prayer. The prayer was an agonizing prayer. So much so that the father sends an angel to come to minister to Christ, As he prays. And he's under so much stress during this prayer, knowing what was about to happen. That the scripture says he he started to sweat drops of blood. Basically, he was under so much stress the capillaries in his skin and his face ruptured. And he starts to pretty much sweat blood. He was in extreme stress at this moment. And we know why. Look at the prayer that he says to his father. He says, Father, if thou wilt take away this cup from me, nevertheless not my will but thine be done. He knew that he was going to be drinking from this cup, this bitter cup. Now, if you look through the scripture, the scripture does not call it a bitter cup. I'm calling it a bitter cup. And I call it a bitter cup because when you look at what happens, Jesus in his humanity, and we'll look a little bit more into this shortly, but Jesus in his humanity asks for the cup to be removed from him. But it was a bitter cup because when we look at the cup and all the things that was in the cup associated with the cup, it was bitter. And the cup was so bitter that when Jesus was sitting there praying and thinking about, agonizing about what was about to happen, he sweats blood. What was in the cup? Think about it. It was a cup of pain and suffering. Pain and suffering that he would endure. And everything that went along with it. Because when you think about the crucifixion, when you think about the arrest of Christ, the the first thing that comes into our mind is the pain and suffering. But there were many different parts to this cup, things that Jesus went through. And I believe it consists of eight main things, eight main things. And again, I say, I believe that. Y'all might look at it and get a completely different different list out of this, but I believe it consisted of eight main things. The first was the betrayal. The betrayal of Judas. The second was the show trial. The third was the beating that he, that he had just placed upon him. He was beaten half to death. Then the mockery that took place where they mocked him Then the crucifixion. Then all the sins of the entire world going upon him. Then his death. But here's the main thing. And i put this at the end, but this could actually have went at the beginning. Knowing the knowledge that God's wrath was going to be poured out against him. So not only was this a bitter cup that he faced, it was also a cup of wrath. It was a cup of wrath. So let's look at these eight things. The first was the betrayal of Judas. The betrayal of Judas. And and we can look back at that at, at Luke 22, 47. When you look at that, it calls... Judas, one of the, the twelve. Think about that. Judas is called one of the twelve in Luke twenty two forty seven, 47, which means that Jesus handpicked Judas Iscariot to be one of the disciples. He handpicked him. Now, before Jesus created all things, He knew that Judas Iscariot was going to betray. But he still picked Judas to be one of the disciples. And Judas was with him for three years. Think about that. Judas was with him for three years. Hearing the sermons, being in that group that went around with Jesus Christ, Judas was one of the twelve. And Jesus loved Judas. Judas was a friend. Yet, again, he knew that Judas was going to betray From the foundation of the world, he knew that that was going to happen. Before he created all things, he knew Judas was going to betray him. And think about how he felt. When that happened. How would we feel if we were betrayed by a friend? It would hurt. It would be bitter. And think about this. When Judas betrayed Christ and Judas goes to the garden, what does he do? He brings a bunch of soldiers with him. He tells them, the person that I kiss, he's the one you arrest. He betrays Christ with a kiss. One of his friends. And Christ knew that that was going to happen. When he was sitting there in the garden praying, he knew that that was going to happen. So I believe that's one of the first things in this cup. The knowledge of what was about to happen. Betrayal from a friend. And that leads to the second thing. He was betrayed, he was arrested, and then what did they do? They took him to a show trial. They took him to a show trial. Now in this trial, there are several different things that take place, which was all violations of the law. So I want you to think about this trial. Jesus, the the creator of the law, the one who gave the law to the Jews, is arrested and put on trial because they're saying he's the one violating the law, yet the ones that were violating the law are the ones putting him on trial. And what is a violation of the law? It's a sin. So in what they were doing, they were sinning. It was held at night, a violation of the law. They brought in people that were bearing false witness, a violation of the law. When Jesus was asked to answer something and he answers, they slap him, which was a violation of the law. It was a trial held out of hatred. It was a trial held out of jealousy. They hated Christ. They were jealous of Christ and his following, and it was presided over by people who did not believe he was the Messiah. So it was a sinful trial presided over by unbelievers. That was part of the bitter cup that Christ was going to face. And he knew it. And then what did they do? They sent him to Herod, then they sent him to Pontius Pilate. Or they sent him to Pontius Pilate, and then Pilate sent him to Herod, and then he gets sent back to Pontius Pilate. All show trials. And the show trial, and all the different little trials that were associated with it, led to the third and fourth things. And I put the third and fourth things together because they go together. Jesus was mocked and he was beaten. Think about the beating that happened to Jesus. Think about what the Romans did. They make a crown of thorns and ram this on his head. They wrap him in purple They mockingly bow down to him. They give him a reed for a scepter. Then they spit upon him, and then they start hitting him, punching him with their fists. They mock him. Then they send him to be scourged. Beaten. Now think about the scourging. Scourgings were so bad that the majority of the people that were scourged by the Romans died during the scourging because what did the Romans do? They tied leather and metal into the leather straps and when they were hitting them it would rip the flesh. It would rip the muscle. Jesus knew all of these things was going to happen to him. While he was in prayer in the garden, agonizing over what was going to happen, he knew this was going to happen. This is why he was agonizing. This is why he asked the Father to remove the cup. He knew this was going to happen. This was the cup. Think about his infinite knowledge. The infinite knowledge that Christ has. He knew from the foundation of the world when this was going to happen, where it was going to happen, and who the people were that were going to be doing it. And he also knew the outcome. This was the cup. Parts of the cup that he was going to drink. Betrayal. A false trial. Mocking and beating. And then that led to the next. What happens after he was scourged? Crucifixion. He was crucified. After all of these things happened, Jesus was made to carry a heavy cross to the place where they were going to kill him. And he was so weakened by this, we see in Luke 23 26, that Simon of Cyrene had to carry the cross for him because he was so weak. But he was made to carry this heavy cross to his place of execution. And what did they do? When he reached the place of execution, he was crucified. Nails were driven into his hands and his feet. Then they lift the cross up. And then they start mocking him again. And he hung there on that tree. And what happens? He becomes a cursed. He becomes a curse for us as he hung on the tree, dying for us. And he knew that that was going to happen. Why was he agonizing in prayer? Because he knew everything was leading to that point. But not only to that. Think about what happens while he's on the cross. The sixth point. He's made sin for us. All the sins of humanity passes upon him in that the one who knew no sin, as Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, the one who knew no sin became sin for us. All the sins of humanity passes through him. And what happens? It says the sky darkens. The sky darkens while he's crucified, while this is going on. And I believe the sky darkened because at that moment the father had to turn away because he cannot look upon sin. And Christ became sin at that moment. This is why Christ cries out, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? The father turns away from him because he can't look upon sin. And Jesus knew this was going to happen. He knew he was going to the cross. That's why he came. He knew he would be the cleansing sacrifice for sin. He knew that he would be made sin for us. He knew all of our sins would pass through him. And he knew that the Father would have to turn away from him. This was the cup that he was going to have to drink. And he knew that this would lead to his death. He knew he was going to die. He knew he was going to die at this moment. Dying for us. Dying in our place. Taking our place on the cross. Everything leads to this point. But he also knew that he was going to rise again. But that does not detract from what was going to happen to him. He knew it. But I want to point something out. It wasn't a fear of death that Christ had. It wasn't a fear of death that made Christ sweat drops of blood. It was not a fear of death that made him ask for the cup to be removed from him. It wasn't those things. It was the eighth thing, the knowledge of what was going to happen. Everything that he was going to face. The knowledge that the divine curse was going to fall upon him. The knowledge of the divine curse that was about to fall upon him. When Christ was hanging on the cross and he became sin for us, The wrath of God was poured out upon him. The cleansing of sin took the wrath of God being poured out upon sin. Why do we not face the wrath of God when we die? You might say, well, it's because we receive Christ as our Lord and Savior, yes. But wrath had to be poured out. On our sins. The ones who have received Christ. And that wrath was poured out on Jesus Christ. And he knew that that was going to happen. He knew that the wrath of God was going to be unleashed on him while he hung on the cross. All of the previous seven things that we've looked at are part of the cup. But I believe it's this knowledge that he had that he asked for the cup to be removed. Because he knew that it was going to be a divine curse coming upon him. The wrath of God directed at Christ as he hung on the cross becoming sins for us. As Calvin once wrote, when he saw the wrath of God exhibited to him as he stood at the tribunal of God charged with the sins of the whole world, he asked for the cup to pass from him, the knowledge of what was going to happen. But why? Why did he ask for the cup to be removed? I want you to think about something. When we look at Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ is 100% God and 100% man. He was God manifest in the flesh. We see his humanity come out when he asked for the cup to be removed. We see his humanity come out. The knowledge of what he was going to face when he hung on the cross, we see the human desire come out of not wanting to face what he was going to face. That's what we see when he asks for the cup to be removed. The human desire, knowing what he knew was going to happen, human desire, in that prayer, he says, remove the cup. But he was also 100% God. And as the Son of God, knowing what was going to happen, Christ was obedient to the Father. We see his divinity when he says, not my will, but yours be done. Obedience to the will of the Father. Sacrifice. Knowing what he was about to face, he drank from the cup, the bitter cup. And he did this for you and he did this for me. As someone once said, if we were the only person on the earth, if there was only one person and you were that person, God would have sent Christ to die for you. instead of letting you live in sin. Knowing what was going to happen, the betrayal, the false trial, the mockery, the crucifixion, becoming sin for us, death, knowing that the wrath of God was going to be poured out upon him, Jesus obediently drank from the cup, that bitter cup, and he did this out of love. Love, for his creation. Jesus suffered and died so that we might have life and have it more abundantly. As he says in John 10:10, 10, 10, so that we can have it more abundantly. And how do you get this life? Jesus drank the cup, he paid the price. All we have to do is believe. We see that in Acts 16:31. When Paul and Silas was in prison in Philippi and the Philippian jailer comes in and says, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Paul and Silas says, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. Believe. Admit your sins, repent of your sins, and confess Christ. Believe in everything that he did and you'll be saved. He drank the cup so that we can have life. All we must do is believe on him and have abundant life, eternal life today. Let's stand for prayer. Most gracious and loving Father, Lord, as we come before you, just thank you, Lord, for this day that you have given us. I thank you, Lord, for all the many blessings that you bestowed upon us. And, Lord, as we go into this time of invitation, again, Lord, if there's anyone here that doesn't know you as Lord and Savior, I just pray that you would speak to their hearts. Just continue to be with us and overshadow us with your love and watch care. We just ask this in your son's precious and holy name, Jesus Christ. Amen.